The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. the little train that goes from Jerusalem's Jaffa Gate and weaves through the sacred old city down to the Western Wall to pray. And we want to invite you to come along and support us financially so that the Jerusalem Channel can continue to move in the presence of God throughout this old city and throughout this nation. Thank you for supporting us, and we invite you to go to the donate page of our website, JerusalemChannel.tv. God bless you out of Zion. Whenever we experience a lapse of faith, it's simply because we've forgotten to include Almighty God in the equation. We can begin to think of our problems as giants and then see ourselves as tiny grasshoppers by comparison. So today, I want to help you to sharpen your faith and overcome those challenges and fears. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. The Word of God says that we overcome and conquer our spiritual adversaries by the blood of the Lamb, King Jesus, and because of what the Bible calls the word of our testimony. In Revelation 12, 11, two spiritual weapons are mentioned. The blood of the Lamb, which redeems us and atones for our sins, and the word of our testimony. And our testimony had better be dynamic. You see, believers' testimonies also assist to conquer satanic forces. Both are powerful weapons, but the blood of the Lamb is an indestructible weapon. The Lord's work of atonement is a finished, done deal. But the word of our testimony, on the other hand, can be either weakened or strong, ineffective, or destroyed due to sin. Or our testimony can be built up through obedience and faith and by gaining important faith victories. When you hear a powerful testimony, it's worth more than a thousand sermons. In the Bible, the people of Israel had witnessed awesome miracles, including God's plagues against Egypt and the opening of the Red Sea. The Israelites were building a great testimony in their lives of the awesome power of God to save and deliver them. They also became the chosen custodians of the law of God at Mount Sinai. They drank water from the rock and ate manna from heaven. Then in Numbers 13, the people of God were on the threshold of entering their promised rest in God's glorious holy land. And their leader Moses was hoping that within a few weeks they would all possess their inheritance. But wait a minute. Rather than following God's glory cloud directly into the land to conquer it, instead... Twelve spies representing the twelve tribes of Israel were sent to explore the promised land. Why the reconnaissance? Hadn't God himself already promised that the land was excellent, flowing with milk and honey? Hadn't he himself promised that he would guide them with his visible presence, with the 
pillar of cloud by day and the awesome pillar of fire by night? Hadn't he promised that by his might he would drive out the heathen nations? And hadn't he given the command to go up and possess the land? Yet the people delayed their victory by deciding to send 12 men to search out the land. Why not just follow God and believe God instead of sending scouts? This was a failure of faith. And in Deuteronomy 1.22 in the Torah, Moses laid the blame on the people. He wrote, But you all came to me and said, First, let's send out spies to explore the land for us, and they will advise us the best route to take and which towns we should enter. And Moses even added in Deuteronomy 1.23 that the idea seemed good to him. Nevertheless, the commentaries teach that the mission of the spies was a doubtful project. It betrayed a lurking distrust of the Lord's promise and leadership. Before committing themselves further to the conquest, they first wanted to check out the land for themselves. In other words, they wanted to walk by sight and not by faith. But clearly their duty was simply to trust in the leadership of God, to obey his voice and to go immediately to take possession of the land. Now, generally speaking, prudence is important, but not at the expense of the clear promises of God and his very presence. So if we lean unto our own understanding, we can miss God and fail. Even Moses, the man of God, listened to human wisdom. And the commentaries say how much better it would have been to wait patiently and trust God's cloud and his signal to sound the battle trumpets. So the mission of the spies threw doubt upon the wisdom, power, and faithfulness of God. The people hesitated and waited 40 days in vain for what turned out to be useless information. The 12 men who were sent qualified as rulers of their tribes, and the commentaries state that probably they were chosen because of their physical prowess and warrior skills. Yet, out of the 12, only two of the scouts were actually men of faith. And this teaches us that we must learn never to send anybody on a mission for God who's not a man or a woman of faith. Faith should be our very first qualification. So as it turned out, only two of the men, Joshua and Caleb, actually possessed deep convictions concerning the destiny of Israel. And you know that's the trouble with many of our leaders today. They can be leftists, progressives, globalists. But if they don't have deep convictions concerning the destinies of their nations and deep commitments concerning God's plans and purposes, they will fail and they may even become seditious leaders like the 10 evil spies turned out to be. People, I want to tell you that in our generation, real believers in God should have deep convictions concerning the destiny of Israel. Did you know that God is still in a covenant relationship with the Jewish people and the land of Israel? Even most people in the churches don't understand this because they are biblically illiterate. Yes, indeed, 
I agree. On the one hand, the Lord is building his church, and soon the fullness of the Gentiles will be completed. But don't forget, God has never abrogated his covenants with Israel. God's covenants with Israel are still intact. And the Bible believer who knows that God has not abandoned his people Israel is attuned with the living God and will consequently understand our times. Like Joshua and Caleb, the faithful spies, genuine Bible believers can see the purposes of God that others simply can't see. And tragically, the names of the 10 scouts who brought back an evil report of unbelief are recorded in the book of Numbers. Two winners and 10 losers are recorded for time and eternity. Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able to go in and possess the land. But the other 10 said tragically, we are not able. The commentaries on this passage teach that history records the memory of an evil man like Nero, as well as a man of God like St. Paul. History records the deeds of a Judas Iscariot, as well as King Messiah, Yeshua. And even if history doesn't record your name or mine, nevertheless, a person of integrity is his own monument. Hallelujah. Right now, our eternal reputations are being sealed in this boot camp called life. So let's be on the biblically correct side of history. So the spies went up on their mission, a mission that God never commissioned, but he allowed it to test and to prove men's hearts. They passed through the Negev and visited Hebron, the burial place of Israel's patriarchs and matriarchs. They came to the place of the cave where the progenitors of Israel were buried, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Leah. Even today, it's an awesome experience to visit those tombs. These graves mentioned in the Bible were deposits within the promised land. They were sureties, as it were, for the inheritance of the children of Israel. They being dead, they were still speaking. Their tombs giving testimony that the promised land belonged to Israel. And so the scouts should not have shrunk back. They should possess what was legally theirs in God's eyes. Visiting the tomb of Abraham and honoring his faith should have compelled their hearts to lead the conquest. But instead, in Hebron, they focused their eyes on the descendants of Anak, the Nephilim, who were giants. They stumbled over what they saw rather than believing in the greatness of God. Now, when they came to the Valley of Eshkol, they found a single cluster of grapes that was so heavy that it had to be carried on a pole between two men. And by the way, Joshua and Caleb carrying the enormous cluster of grapes is the symbol today of the Israeli ministry of tourism. And when you visit the Holy Land with us on one of our insider tours, you'll be delighted, amazed, and overwhelmed by the delicious fruits and vegetables of the land. The scouts also gathered pomegranates and figs as evidence that the land is indeed bountiful. And when they returned to the congregation in the wilderness at Kadesh, the spies said, the land is indeed flowing with milk and honey, and here's some of its fruit. Nevertheless, they said, the people live in fortified cities. They are strong, 
and there are giants in the land. But Caleb, the man of God full of faith, tried to quiet the people before Moses. He exhorted them to go up immediately to possess the land, for he knew God was their main weapon. But tragically, the majority of the spies said, we're not able. The people in the land are stronger than we are. Where had God gone in their minds? So the Bible records that 10 of the spies gave an evil report of the land. They said, compared to the giants, we seem like grasshoppers. They had a grasshopper mentality. How quickly they forgot God. So tragically, Joshua and Caleb were outvoted. And minorities are often in the right. The majority is not always correct. Numbers 14 is a very solemn chapter recording the people's rebellion against God and the tragic consequences. Joshua and Caleb tore their garments, an action of deep despair and mourning. And they pled with the people saying, the land we explored is an exceedingly good land. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land for they will be like bread for us to eat because their protection has been removed. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. We're well able with the Lord's help to conquer the land. Amen. Now, if we're genuine people of faith, shouldn't that be our attitude every day when we face problems? But sadly, the average believer today is not fully trusting God like we should. And do you know the entire congregation threatened to stone Joshua and Caleb? But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people treat me with contempt, despite all the signs I performed among them? I will strike them with the plague and destroy them, and make you, Moses, into a nation greater than they are. What an opportunity for Moses, but... Being a man of pride was not Moses, and he would not take God up on this offer for more greatness. He was a humble man who believed deeply in the destiny of Israel. So once again, Moses interceded on behalf of his people, and God pardoned them as Moses requested. Yet, God judged their unbelief by ruling that none of them who treated him with contempt would enter the promised land. They were condemned to wandering nearly 40 years in the wilderness until that generation died and only their children under the age of 20 would be allowed to enter the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb would step into the land. They were spared because of their faith. And I want to carefully note here that although the Jewish people have been chastened many times by God, they have never been completely cast off by God. This is because God is not a man that he should lie. He will never break covenant with Israel. And when is the church going to learn this? The church needs to know this and firmly understand that God is still in covenant with the Jewish people. And that's why after the church age is finished and the bride of Messiah is completed, the fullness of the Gentiles, God will continue to fulfill all of his promises to Israel. 
He will restore the kingdom to Israel for the sake of King Messiah and for the sake of God's own holy name. Well, there are many lessons of faith that we can learn from the book of Numbers. And to me, this is not a dry book at all. For example, this account about the 12 spies was written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. These things happened to Israel as examples for us, and they were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. One of the essential lessons we must take to heart is not to fall into unbelief and to complain against God because he hears our grumbling every time. And on a daily basis, I try to correct myself and to train myself not to murmur and complain. You try it for just one day and see how difficult it is not to gripe one time within 24 hours and somehow to rise above the circumstances to give glory to God or to claim a faith promise or to say to God, I trust you even though I don't see the answer yet because the Lord is listening to our conversations and weighing them. I don't want him to hear doubt and unbelief coming out of my mouth. The sin that caused the Israelites to be continually judged by God in the wilderness was the sin of kvetching. You say, what is kvetching? Well, that's a good Yiddish word for habitual griping and complaining. Yes, it was kvetching that most got them into trouble. God hates grumbling simply because it's unbelief. And it says that we don't trust God to work things out. After all the miracles they'd experienced, the rebels in the wilderness complained that God had brought them out of Egyptian slavery only so they could fall by the sword. What a terrible false charge against the Almighty, our loving Heavenly Father. But lest we point a finger at our Jewish brethren and ask, where was their faith? We have to admit that most churchgoers, sadly, haven't got a clue about the dangers of unbelief and fretting and how fretting betrays faith in God. I learned this week that one of my heroes of the faith, the 18th century great man of God, John Wesley, wisely had put fretting in the same category along with cursing and swearing. Think about that. He said, I dare no more fret than curse or swear. And whenever Wesley said he heard people fretting about everything that happens, he said it was like tearing the flesh from his bones. He became highly irritated because he was so attuned to God, he knew how deeply God was offended by all that grumbling and complaining. We don't realize how much our complaining maligns the character and promises of God. He's looking, he's watching to hear the sound of faith coming from professing believers. For example, do you recall how Jesus marveled at the faith of a centurion and the faith of the Syrophoenician woman? He marveled because their great faith was unfortunately too rare a commodity. So another lesson we must all learn and put into daily practice is to submit our natural fears to God. And instead of lingering and wasting time in a state of apprehension, we should look up and appropriate God's promises in this word by faith. 
we have to be so careful not to allow our minds to dwell on daily difficulties. Our hands and our resolve are weakened whenever we concentrate on fears and doubts. In fact, a very sobering scripture in Revelation 21.8 warns that cowards and unbelievers are put by God in the same category as murderers, as the sexually immoral, as witchcraft, idolatry, and all liars. They will be consigned to the lake of fire, this verse says. The fearful and the unbelieving will have no portion in the heavenly city and will be shut out. We often think of big sins disqualifying us, but among the list of big sins here in this verse, according to God, are fear and unbelief. So I say, let's learn to laugh the laugh of faith. Let's train ourselves to laugh at symptoms and impossibilities because we know that nothing is impossible with Almighty God, our Lord. He's our healer, provider, our all in all. We also have to learn how to reject fake news. Just as the congregation in the wilderness was in danger of taking to heart a false evil report, we daily encounter lies in the media, in politicians, even in churchmen. Let's ask the Lord for an increase in the gift of discernment to be able to differentiate between true and false because the last days, Jesus warned us, will be characterized by deception on a scale of magnitude. The men who brought up the fake news about the Holy Land died by the plague, but Caleb and Joshua were vindicated as messengers of truth. Now, in Numbers 14 and verse 24 is a very key verse. I want to look at that. God said, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he has entered and his descendants will inherit it. God said Caleb had a different spirit, a spirit of faith. And by the way, Joshua's faith wasn't mentioned in this particular verse because he was already approved of God. Joshua was the understudy of Moses and was his successor. Caleb from the tribe of Judah was singled out here by God for his faithfulness and wholeheartedness among the spies. He had fully obeyed God. And nearly 40 years later, Caleb was rewarded with Hebron, the city of the patriarchs, as his inheritance at the age of 85. So let's not be weary in well-doing and waiting on God. And here's also something interesting. The name of God's man, Caleb, actually means a dog. Now, this is amazing because usually in the Bible, dogs are associated with uncleanness. But there's also something virtuous about dogs. They're man's best friend. They're very loyal to their masters, and they follow their masters wherever they go. The name Caleb in Hebrew, however, has another significance, meaning all heart. And that's a fitting surname for the man who fully followed God wholeheartedly. Hallelujah. So today I exhort you, and I exhort myself, let's strive to have a different spirit like Caleb. It's edifying to study what the Bible meant by a different spirit. The Hebrew literally says he had another spirit. 
meaning he had a different attitude from the unbelieving ten spies. The commentaries teach that the spirit which led Caleb was the Holy Spirit, just as the spirit behind the rebellion was an evil spirit. In fact, Ephesians 2.2 says that disobedient persons follow the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air, Satan. But Caleb had this testimony that he had fully obeyed the Lord. The Hebrews says, Caleb have followed me fully. Literally in Hebrew, the Lord said, he fulfilled to walk behind me. Hallelujah. And let's do the same. Closely following behind on the heels of the Lord, our good shepherd. So Caleb wasn't moved by his brethren's unbelief. He was motivated by the Spirit of God. The difficulties and dangers didn't daunt him. And so he brought a good report of the land. Caleb had a genuine, thankful attitude concerning the Israelites' deliverance out of Egypt. So he detested the suggestion of the mutineers to return to Egypt. And this surely was another spirit that was pleasing to God. Let's pause for a moment and ask, do I have a spirit of faith, believing in the promises of God concerning my situation? Or am I going to be like the spies who distrusted God's promises? So what does it mean to follow God fully? Well, the soul who follows God will complete the work God has given us in the face of all kinds of discouragements and hindrances and will remain consistently loyal and faithful to God until the end. You see, a lot of people have hearts to do good things but they're not constant. God can't really count on them. But a person like Caleb, who fully followed the Lord, stays on track. As Proverbs 16, 17 declares, the highway of the upright avoids evil. Those who guard their waves preserve their lives. The commentaries are very frank, exhorting us never to be surprised or offended when we see all kinds of people failing to believe God, because sadly, very few are like Joshua and Caleb. Very few are determined to have choice spirits, different spirits, bound and determined to fully follow God. The commentaries say that to have a testimony like Joshua and Caleb, we must labor to keep our hearts low and humble, because when we swell up with pride, we're weakened. And pride makes God resist us. To follow the Lord fully, we must cleave to him when others forsake him and decide to persevere in the face of the world's hatred and in the face of persecution from evil and unreasonable persons. Well, the good news for the last days is that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And once saved, no power in hell can snatch us out of the Lord's hand. That's what the Bible promises. But the Lord must be received now in this lifetime. I urge you to do what I've done already, to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, Yeshua, the one mediator between God and man. He's promised always to lead us and to guide us. He's gone ahead of us so that we don't need a spy. For the future, all we need to do, like Joshua and Caleb, 
is have a different spirit and trust the Lord wholeheartedly. In the meantime, I want to encourage you that all of our teachings are available to view for free at our website, exploits.tv. Our videos are there to strengthen your faith, and you can also click online to receive our free color magazine, Exploits, based upon Daniel 11.32. That verse declares that the people who know their God will be strong and take action, carrying out exploits. In other words, like Joshua and Caleb, we're going to accomplish the works of the Lord in our generation. You'll also find details of our life-changing Holy Land conferences at our website. And we lead insiders tours to Israel at least three times a year, and they are truly life-changing. So let's stay in touch through social media, and please don't forget to tell your friends to watch our programs. Also, you can take us with you everywhere by downloading our free Jerusalem Channel app. And so, until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom, and come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Jerusalem is always inspiring to visit during the Jewish holidays, and the biblical Feast of Tabernacles is coming up in October. Join us in the City of the Great King for five nights of joyful celebration. Exploits Ministry has planned a special tour package, including participation with thousands of Israelis and guests from all over the world in the annual Jerusalem March. So bring your flags, banners, and walking shoes. We'll also explore many of the ancient wonders and spiritual highlights around the city and we'll have times of feasting and celebration. So plan now to come up to Jerusalem and join our Exploits Ministry Tour, October 16 to 21. For details, visit our website, jerusalemchannel.tv.